What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jake. And we are finally, we're basically in the conference finals. Um, The Eastern Conference finals are set, the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. We're going to talk about that. Um, The Western Conference finals, we have the Lakers, and we still don't know yet as we're recording this podcast. Um, And by the time this podcast comes out, it's going to be before game seven of the Nuggets and the Clippers, which is really, I mean, just interesting. We're really going to dive deep into that um, and kind of try to make a prediction for the Western Conference Finals as well. Uh, Even though we don't know who's in it, we'll make a prediction basically for both. And then we have some coaching news and talk about the Rockets and and kind of the disappointing end to their season, even though it was kind of expected just in the fashion they lost and stuff and and, uh, new coaching there probably. And uh, yeah, we have a really jam-packed episode today, but we are going to start off with um, the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, the last time we did drop an episode, the Miami Heat were up 3-1 on the Milwaukee Bucks. They closed that series out. And then the Boston Celtics and Toronto Raptors went all the way to Game 7. And probably, um, in my opinion so far, the most exciting series uh, in the playoffs. I mean, just a, r- a really physical um, Eastern Conference battle between two teams who really want it. Um, and the Celtics came away with it. Um, before we do talk about that, so I just personally, I wanted to give a big shout out to the Toronto Raptors. I mean, they, they really, I mean, Kyle Lowry, I don't think it's enough credit for how much uh, he he does for that team and what he's done for that organization, for that country, and also for the NBA, how good of a player he is and how much heart. And, and he's the heart and soul of that team. And it's not often you get a player, especially, you know, a point guard that will put his body on the line like he does. And, and just a big shout out to them. They truly do have a heart of a champion. And, and I think there's a lot of question marks still there. Um, with Pascal Siakam and, and is, he an, is, he, is he their number one option? But I just I needed to give a big shout out to them because watching that series really opened my eyes in terms of how good um, Kyle Lowry is, not only as a basketball player, but as a leader of, uh, of that team. And so shout out to them. Um, but I do want to get into the Celtics Heat series. Uh, it starts Tuesday, uh, 6.30 on ESPN as the Eastern Conference Finals. All the games will be on ESPN as the Western Conference Finals. TNT will be televising all of those. Um, this should be a real, real interesting series. I think that um, you have two teams, just like the Celtics played in the last round with the Raptors, that just they're going to put their bodies on line and they're going to do whatever they can to win it. And two teams who I think um, they expected their sem- themselves to get to the finals, but I don't think many people expected uh, – these two teams to be in the conference finals. I think a lot of team people expected Milwaukee and Toronto, possibly obviously the one and two seeds. It's the first time I believe ever that a one and a two seed is not enough conference final, at least one of the two as the Celtics are three seed and the Heat are five seed. Um, even though we're in the bubble and it doesn't really count. So with that being said, you know, what are your keys for both teams? And also what are your predictions for, for this series? All right. So to start off with this series, Again, we kind of get flashbacks to the early 2010s with uh, the big threes um, with the Celtics and the Heat. So this is a super exactly exciting. What I was gonna say. Yeah, this is this is a pretty exciting um, series, and uh, the only person that's still left on both rosters is UD. So um, this should be interesting. Um, I think I'm, I'm gonna have to take for my predictions. Um, I'm gonna take Heat in seven. Um, because I, I just see, again, like the Bucks series. Again, this is a different team, I think, than the Bucks, And I'll get into that in a second. But I see way too many doubters. And I, and I think that I think that the Heat, again, this series definitely goes the distance. But I think the Heat are, are, are underdogs like they were in, in the last series. I think people don't put too much attention on. And, and they also haven't really keyed in on on uh, on. Again, the playoffs are a different animal than the regular season, but if you want to take a good look into the into the the playoff matchups, what they'll be like, you look at the regular season, and we saw the Heat steal what two two out of three from the Bucks, and look what happened in that series. And then you have, and then you have Boston, where I think we played them on a night on a back to back. I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if that was both, a loss. Both both times, uh, both losses to the Celtics, the Heat did play. Um, on a back-to-back, the Celtics, uh, and then in the bubble, also a back-to-back. I, all three times this season, they've played back-to-backs versus the Celtics, and um, and they they won one out of three. So yeah, they won. And that was in the bubble. Three. Yeah. Take what you want with that. Also, I mean, 
not not to interrupt and I know you're still making your point, but you know, uh regular season was a long, long time ago. So it would be you know, I think they're to- two totally different teams now compared to back then, but keep going. Right, but the blueprint blueprint never changes, right? We have the Bucks where again, that's that's a totally different topic, right? But you have the Bucks team where you had to center around your, your defense on one guy and made it extremely difficult for and we'll get into the Bucks in a little bit. I'm I'm excited for that conversation because I think there's a lot to be said about the Bucks this offseason, but uh, in in the, in the future. But with the the Bucks, who had to center around one guy, they were able to do that and they were able to study that. Um, with the Celtics, you have multiple weapons, and not to to you know, if if you're a Heat fan, it's kind of a bummer because Gordon Hayward can maybe come back. So now you have to prepare for yet another offensive weapon. Um, and not to mention that the, the Celtics have the number one defense in the postseason right now. Um, so that's going to be a test for the Heat. I do want to point out, though, um, I do have Heat in seven, but I do want to point out that I think the key to this series, if you look at – I'm going to take the Heat first. I think the key to, to them, um, and I think the, the player that really needs to show up for them is Tyler Hero. Um, and he has done that. Um, I believe it was game – yeah, it was the last uh, game in, uh, with the Bucks where he was, you know, taking guys off the dribble, showing up. Um, he might have had around 15. I'm, I'm guessing here, my bad. Um, I can look that up while we're out of here. But um, as far as Tyler Hero, again, you have – and I really wanted Duncan Robinson to be a factor, but remember, he takes away the, uh, the opposing team's best um, perimeter defender, and so that's going to be Marcus Smart this series. Um, Marcus Smart can also – the good thing about the Celtics is that if you're a Celtics fan, if you're rooting for the Celtics, they have multiple guys, and they're very versatile on defense. So they could switch from Marcus Smart to Jason Tatum to Jalen Brown, what have you, right? Um, they even have Grant Williams, who I think is going to be a really big X factor in this series, as well as Robert Williams. Um, the two, I like to call them the two Williams because um, they both have the same last name. But they're going to be huge. Um, I think the young guys in general are going to be huge. And, and getting back to Tyler Hero, like I said, Duncan Robinson's going to be faced with if you if you didn't like how how the uh, the Bucks were because the Bucks were really on him. Like Divincenzo was locking him down um, a lot of that series and chasing him around screens. It's going to be the same thing um, probably in the Celtics. So Tyler Hero coming off the bench, I think he's going to create um, sort of this off guard feel for the Celtics. I think they're going to catch him a little bit off guard. And if Tyler Hero, again, we talk about this guy being such a threat as a young bull, and he's really going to be the difference maker, one of the difference makers in the series. I won't say the difference maker, but um, I think that the ability for him to create his own shot, the ability for him to drive, he's always working on his defense. um, And I think that his defense will be tested in this series as well. You have Marcus Smart, who's been um, a lockdown guy from three. You have Jason Tatum. Um, you have Jalen Brown. So all these different guys are going to they're going to make Tyler Tyler Hero pay if he doesn't play defense. And that's one of the struggles of his game. But he's improving on it, like I said. Um, and as for the Celtics, I'm going to go back to what I said. The young guys, I think the young guys are are an X factor. Um, we could talk about the stars as well. Um, but, but Grant Williams, the play he had, um, the block to, to save that win for the Celtics. Um was incredible. Um, he's showing great flashes. You also have Robert Williams, who I think is a great um, serviceable, ser- serviceable. I can't even say the word. My bad. Um, but he's a great backup serviceable. big. Serviceable. 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 Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's no, he's a great serviceable. Serviceable. <laughs> Dude. All right, never mind. Uh, great serviceable. Here, here. No, no, no. Real quick on the podcast, it's going to be a little English lesson. Say service and then a bull. Serviceable. 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 There, there you go. go. All right. There, <laughs> Jesus, man. Anyway, but um, he's a great uh, backup big off the bench um, for a guy like uh, Ennis Cantor and, and um, Daniel Tice. Um, they're, they're starting big. So, um, so yeah, uh, Brad Stevens has been playing a lot, a lot uh, him a lot more. And I think that as far as the, the coaching battle, too, this might be one of the, the best coaching battles of the bubble. Um, both Brad Stevens and, and Eric Spolster's Eric Spolster has been, they've both been great when it comes to adjustments. Um, you're going to see a lot of adjustments from each coach. 
Um, they won't be like Mike, Bo- Mike Budenholzer, who just, you know, put, puts Giannis out there and, and doesn't make adjustments and, you know, just relies on his team going out there and producing. And I think that was a big, uh, that was something that was key with that Bucks and Heat series. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a great series. We haven't really talked about the Stars much, but I, I guess if you want to touch on that a little bit, Ryan, you can. Yeah, um, you know, going back to the to the keys, and I'll touch on that as well, is to me, you look at this series and the thing that and the thing that the Heat have to deal with that they didn't have to deal with last ser- last series versus the Bucks is that it's not just one guy in this series. You're not just, you know, last series they had to just focus in on Giannis and you saw how that went when, you know, just focusing on one guy because that one guy basically does everything for the team. Um, you have to focus in on more, you know, a bunch of guys. And that's from uh, Jason Tatum to Jalen Brown to uh, Marcus Smart to Kemba Walker. And if you want, you know, you want a key player here, I think Kemba Walker really needs to meet, be the difference maker. Uh, in the series, just because um, you look at last series and he just in some games, he just didn't show up. I think he had four points in, in game six. They lost, you know, the the games that they lost, he just wasn't there. And I think you look to me. Yes. Throughout his career, he wasn't with good players uh, in, in Charlotte and he never got past the first round and stuff like that. But now he doesn't have that excuse anymore. And I think he's the better on this team. Uh, he's basically the leader. Um, and, and the start, you know, he got max dollars or, or close to it coming to Boston this off season. So I think he needs to show up, um, quick point, Ryan, and, quick point. Yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. About Kemba Walker. I was watching first tape, um, earlier today and they're, t- they were talking about Kawhi Leonard, which we'll get into the, the Clippers in a little bit, um, about how this is kind of a calling for Kawhi Leonard. There's never really been a series that, that Kawhi Leonard has been, the one where all eyes are looking at um, everyone's looking yeah. at this guy to, to perform. And quite honestly, you can make a really big case that all eyes are on Kemba Walker because of what you just said about, um, about the fact that he's never really had a team like this. And he's never been really in a position to, um, you know, to make, make the finals, finals and, or, or and, even a and to win a championship or yeah. even that. Yeah. So there's a lot of eyes looking towards Kemba Walker right now. And I think that he's going to have to step up big time. Yeah, no, and that that's a that's a perfect point right there, and and you you took I mean I wasn't gonna say that, but uh, you made a that was a really good analogy because you're right he's never had this big of a series and yeah, people are gonna look at hey Jason Tatum here is the star Jalen Brown's the star but Kemba Walker I think is that guy here, um, just because he like everyone else on this team and going back to my original point with the Heat and not just uh, keying in on one guy like they had to do in in the fir- in the last series with Giannis um they have to make sure Jason Tatum's in check Jalen Brown's in check Kemba Walker's in check and then you have Marcus Smart who can go off and hit six seven threes a game when he wants to and then I think the the real key here is when uh, Gordon Hayward comes back he hasn't been he's only played one game this playoffs um he injured his uh ankle I believe and he's been out ever since also his wife is expecting a baby um soon so he could come back only play a game and then leave again and the whole quarantine rules so he might not even be a factor in this series but I think if he does play he's a real factor but the thing is with the Heat I think they're built for for this type of team because you look at all the perimeter defenders that they have from Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, Jimmy Butler um, you can even throw Bam out there because Bam can guard one through five as as people have been able to see us as Heat fans you know we've seen that now for a couple of years and we've seen the potential but now I think that the national media is really seeing and, and the national NBA fan audience is seeing, hey, this guy can guard anyone that uh, you that you put on him. And to me, I thought I, I was listening to um, uh, Zach Lowe's podcast, and Duncan Robinson was on uh, the podcast. And something real interesting from that came out is that basically Eric Spolster lets each guy pick who they want. You know, obviously the coaches put their input, but each guy gets to pick who they want to guard in the series. So I think it'll be really interesting to see, you know, who Jimmy Butler wants. To, does he want to take, you know, Jason or? J- Jason or Jalen, um, who cards Kemba? Is that just going to be Goran Dragic, even though he's not a, a superb defender, he can kind of get the job done and stuff like that. And then also, I think that you look, and, and I kind of made a case for Kemba on, on the Boston side, I think Bam Adebayo for the Heat needs to be huge. Um, you, ha- you There's not a, a dominant big man that can, that can guard him. 
on the Celtics. You have Tice, who's a little bit undersized. Uh, Cantor didn't really play that much last series versus Toronto. I don't know if he'll play that that, that much this series. Uh, Grant Williams, I think, will be uh, key also, um, as well as Robert Williams. They both will be key. But I think Adebayo for the Heat really needs to come up huge. And I think, you know, if that's getting to him in the low post and him going to work, as we've seen him do, or if that's him taking mid-range jump shots, whatever it is, because they don't have someone who can stop him. Yeah, you can put Jason Tatum on him. But again, for the Celtics, do they want to take Jason Tatum off of Jimmy Butler or off, you know, when Tyler Hero comes in the game? Because like you mentioned, I think Tyler Hero, um, if he continues playing how he played in the last series, it'll be the Heat are a very scary uh, matchup for the Celtics team, as are the Celtics for the for the Heat. Um, you know, I again, it's just like last series. And last series, I picked the Bucks in seven. And, you know, listen, no one thought that last series would go five games and the Heat basically a gentleman's sweep. Um, but, you know, I really wanted to pick the Heat last series, and I really want to pick them again this series. And just to me, I, I don't know if they have enough. Um, to me, I think, again, Everyone needs to play, you know, and this is for both teams. Everyone needs is going to need to play their best. And and I think that, you know, Goran Drogic, if he continue, you know, if the Heat continue playing how they played last series, and, and you look at the Heat, to me, what worries me is you look at the first three games, how they played, and then you look at the last two games, and it's two totally different teams. Um, the first three games, they really played with a sense of urgency. The energy was up. And then once Giannis went out and in game four, they lost game four. In game five, they kind of just slid by um, and won. And, and they've had a week off and stuff. So I think the sense of urgency will be there. But I think, you know, come late in the series, how big that sense of urgency is, especially if they're up in the series, I don't know how that will factor in. Um, I'm going to pick Heat in seven like you. Again, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Celtics won in seven. I think this series does go seven. I think there's no doubt about it. The, the least it goes is six. Um, this is going to be a grueling series. Um, I think one big advantage for Boston is, is that I thought this series would have started yesterday, Sunday, um, and they pushed it to Tuesday. And, and that, I think, for Boston was the biggest help they could have gotten because they ended their seven-game series Friday. And, you know, in the bubble now, they've been playing every other day. The Heat have, will now be off a full week. Um, and if they would have played Sunday, I think game one would have definitely went to the Heat just because the Celtics coming off a real physical battle with the Raptors. But I think the NBA really, and I'm not just saying, you know, the NBA did that. No, I mean, they, they want to line the conference finals up. And obviously they, I bet, figured this, the Clippers would have already um, advanced and the Western Conference Finals would have started Wednesday when now they'll probably start Fridays. But besides the point, it's, I think they got a real big help. The NBA, you know, not on purpose, just it so happened, you know, scheduled the conference finals for Tuesday and that, that really pushed them um, to get some rest. You know, they'll be off a couple of days now. So I think, Listen, these are two evenly matched teams. I think the Celtics have a little more in terms of scoring and in terms of a go-to guy. Um, but at the same time, the Heat from Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic can take over games at times. And then you see Tyler Hero. I mean, this kid is, he's big time. And he has a real star potential that I don't think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are seeing. I think you, you mentioned it as well, Duncan Robinson, even if he's not making threes, he's taking one of the other team's best perimeter defenders and basically, you know, canceling him out. Um, so you're playing four on four basketball, um, but I think if he can get going and then, you know, you have, you know, Ke Kelly Olenek, Kendrick Nunn, Andre Kudala. And, and another thing is with the Heat, they have, you know, if they want to throw Derek Jones Jr. out there, he can, you know, guard and, and take up, you know, minutes and use his energy. He brings a lot of energy to the floor. So I think both these teams, I mean, it's just this is going to be a, like like you said, it me, it brings back because obviously these two teams are not as talented as you know, in the early 2010s with, um, you know, the, the Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce Celtics and, you know, with the big three, you know, LeBron, D-Wade and Bosch Heat. But this really brings back, you know, the rivalry, I think, of these two teams. I know, you know, there's been, you know, in the past, you know, I think Jimmy Butler and Marcus Smart, when Jimmy Butler was on the Bulls, had some uh, prior beef. And I don't think any of this stuff will factor in, but maybe it does. I think that you're definitely going to see, you know, some back and forth between the teams because both these teams have, a, you know, um, dogs on them and, and they both want it really, really bad. Right. I, I agree with a lot that was said. Um, I think that just to clarify my analogy, because I think some people might be calling me crazy for saying Kawhi's never been that guy. And I'm not, I don't mean that. I'm just saying well, that let, as far let, as let's, let's, 
let's clarify that when we talk about it because I, I agree with your analogy and, and I definitely want to get into that. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean... Well, let, let's transition now, you know, into um, the Western Conference Finals preview, even though it's not set in stone yet. The Lakers did advance against the Rockets and I think maybe we can talk about the Rockets real fast before we uh, enter that Western Conference Finals preview and uh, Mike D'Antoni did inform the Rockets after they lost in five games that he will not be returning next season. His contract was up, so he'll be a coaching free agent. Um, I know there was contract extension talks before the season that didn't get done. And um, I don't know, maybe Mike D'Antoni went to the Rockets before the Rockets went to him to say, Hey, we're done. Or I think it just was over. Um, and you know, that it was time to move on. It'll be really interesting to see what that Rockets team does. Um, I think a lot of people are starting to figure out that maybe Russell Westbrook uh, is not, so much help but a more of a problem um and that you know his contract's not easy to move when he's making close to 40 million dollars uh over the next you know couple years and uh stuff like that um what what were your thoughts on on, on Houston and the way they went out uh also James Harden who I think I think it's crazy to me but people compare him to Dwayne Wade and I don't I don't know how but they somehow do a uh, regular season James Harden is great Playoff James Harden is kind of a different animal and not in a good way. But what 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 are your thoughts on that? Um, on Mike D'Antoni, I think that there's a lot of, I mean, this is, you know, it has to do with a lot of the the NBA bubble. But as as far as and, and the gameplay that goes on, but as far as NBA coaches, there's been so many vacancies. We're going on eight coaches now. Um, from, and again, Brooklyn has hired Steve Nash and you have New York with Tom Thibodeau. Um, but Chicago, Indiana, you have New Orleans, uh, Oklahoma city, uh, Philly, and now Houston with Mike D'Antoni. So a lot I of think good, that, yeah, a there's a lot of good, good names out there among all the jobs that are vacant right now. I think Houston's probably the most interesting. You mentioned how, uh, that Russell Westbrook and James Harden coexisting is probably too much to handle. And I think that's probably why, uh, again, D'Antoni would cut in the ground an extension um, before the season. And therefore, there is speculation as to this. This is probably, again, you look at Mike D'Antoni and, and say, hey, he's a great coach, um, has a long tenure in the league. You know, what's, what's the move here? But then again, you have Mike D'Antoni um, – not being able to the brilliant mind that he is, I guess just couldn't really handle again, this is all speculation, but um just couldn't really handle the the coexist and the small ball. Um it's a lot. And with replacing well, the this this not, head not, coach not, not to interrupt you, but I don't think the issue is um handling the small ball because if anything, he is uh he's the the perfect coach for that because he runs a fast tempo, you know, Steve Nash style offense. That's what Russell Westbrook and, and, and James Harden like. Um, but to me, it's, I think it's the defensive aspect. And also, like you said, the coexisting, um, I don't know if that's on him. Uh, he's, I think the most successful coach in NBA history to not win a championship or not even make an NBA finals. And that says a lot. And I know a couple of years ago, they were up, um, against Golden State, and, and that didn't work out. Uh, also, I think that you look, they weren't, people could say, yeah, they were supposed to win a championship, but you look at the era that, you know, they're in right now. They had to deal with the Warriors all the years that they, you know, that they were supposed to be great. And now, you know, they're up against the Lakers team. They weren't supposed to win any of these series, um, if you want to make an argument for D'Antoni. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, I kind of saw this coming. Um to me, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, they are the 76ers of the West. Just that every year, you know, people are so high on them, and then they make the playoffs, and they can't really go anywhere. Um, they, they're more successful, I guess, than 76ers, just in terms of, you know, making it further in the playoffs and, and getting closer to a championship. But I don't know. I mean, I, that's just my analysis on it. I mean, not to interrupt you, but just to um, kind of interrupt you, I guess. I mean, just to... to say my point because the, where you were going with it, I just didn't agree with, I guess, in a sense. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, I don't it, – it's definitely not going to beat a a Lakers team who, uh, you know, came out with 
you know, and that duo of LeBron and AD is no joke. Um, and defensively, they stepped up. Um, I thought that as far as the Rockets, um, I mean, they really don't have much offense. It feels like they shoot threes all game. That's kind of just what they do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Mike D'Antoni, just to cover the point here, Mike D'Antoni's a great coach. I, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Um, I don't know whether or not uh, there's rumors about Indy. Personally, I'd like to see him on, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not, but I'd like to see him on the Pelicans just because I read um, and I've done some, um, you know, some research on the type of basketball that, that Alvin Gentry played. And, and, you know, that's, that's kind of a system that with, with an up and coming team, but I don't really know. Yeah, but I don't. I don't really know about. Um, again, they're, they're. I wouldn't say they're not contending. I think the Pelicans do have a roster that's that's uh, contending for a playoff spot. Well, they're, they're, but for a playoff spot, not a championship. No, not a championship. But again, it it just it, it matters. Again, if you're going to Indy, you have Sabonis, uh, Miles Turner, that which kind of were more accustomed to you know slow down type of basketball. So I just don't really know. Where's a good uh, place for him? Maybe Memphis um, with John Morant. That would be interesting to see, um, especially since John Morant is gets comparisons to Russell Westbrook, um, and he just coached Russell Westbrook. So I don't really know, um, but definitely you know a team full of youth that well, you I know with that. with fresh legs that that you know has a shot at a at a, I, at, a pl- at the playoffs. I don't know. I, no, I, I like your your. Uh suggestion there the Pelicans only thing is that I think wherever he goes he needs to bring someone who's almost a defensive coordinator because there's no defense existent on his teams um it's all offense um yeah I mean his fast tempo for Zion and, and Brandon Ingram and, the, and Lonzo I mean that would be perfect uh the more I think about it but I think defensively mm-hmm. you need someone who can sit down and say okay young guys these this is how you defend this is the defensive scheme because you put a whole bunch of young guys like the Pelicans have out there and and not really discipline them with defense it's you're going to have issues. Um, I would say this. I think that if he goes to a team that's young um, and this goes, this is just a general thought. Um, This is probably his best bet in terms of his chances uh, late, not saying immediately, but later down the line, because you're developing again, you're not changing again. That's Mike Mike D'Antoni's system. Mike D'Antoni likes to play fast. And but, but if you're here, with the Rockets, the you're not trying to, to, to mend things and to, and to change players around, really. You're growing with the players. And so that's why I like a young team. But, okay, go ahead. here's the issue, because here's the issue with the young team. And here's why the Pelicans won't work out. Mike D'Antoni is 68 years old, going to be 69. How, how much longer can he wait? I don't think – listen, I think he's going to get a job, but – I mean, you could develop a team. You though. look at you could develop a team. Can you not? That's going to take I, the Pelicans are not contending within the next two years, are they? They would really need to make some moves. I, I mean, Tony probably only has four or five years left. He, the 76ers, I, mean, I think, even though they don't, you know, I don't think the 76ers fit for him because there's no shooting on the team whatsoever. Maybe he can help that and, and they can figure stuff out. Um, I think he needs to go to a team that that's contending and there's a lot out there. Um, I think even there is. I think even I think even Indiana could be a place for him, like you said. Uh, what is there? Indiana, Philadelphia, um, right? But again, it, their their stance in their conferences, a middle of the pack team that, that that's always in the hunt, right? That's that's definitely an indicator that Mike D'Antoni could go after that job. But how about fit? Fit? I don't really see those teams again. If you're going to Philadelphia, you have Joel Embiid there. Yeah, no, no, you're you're right. You're you're right. The thing is, to me, I don't it's, like that. It's, if he was 58 and not 68, I would say, yeah, the Pelicans to me are a perfect job. Sign him up. I mean, if, but, but I'm just saying, me, if if I, I just don't see him wanting to sit there because this off season, especially, there's there's jobs that you can you can make that team a contender real fast, or they are a contender. They just need the right fit. And yeah, Philadelphia is probably not the right fit. Indiana, I think they're a little farther out. Um, and especially with not knowing with Victor Oladipo and all that, but I think he needs a team that he can contend with, uh, you know, if not this year, 
pretty soon because who knows how long he has left and who may, who knows this might be, I mean, I think he wants to coach. I think someone will want to hire him, but who knows, you know, what, what happens. Um, it, it's no, it, listen, I think it's going to be interesting. There's a lot, a lot of good coaches out there. I think, um, to me, I think Ty Lue's going to get a job. You're going to see Mike D'Antoni get a job. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Sam Cassell gets a job. Uh, um, there's a lot of guys out there that, uh, uh, Jock Vaughn, who even, you know, I know they signed him on to be the highest paid assistant in Brooklyn. I wouldn't be surprised if someone tries to, to get him to come, you know, out of being an assistant coach and, and take, take a head coaching job somewhere. So I think there's a lot of guys out there. Um, and there's a lot of good jobs out there, but, um, anything else before we move on to the, the, the Lakers and who they, and who, uh, they possibly could play in the Western conference finals. Yeah, uh, no, just to mention, I mean, I was going to say that I think that, again, he he has probably a couple years left, as as we could um, suspect. And I think that maybe this is more of a, again, it doesn't really resemble a player. Well, maybe it does in terms of, you know, you want to kind of uh, move on to another team, you know, finish out your career as a coach, right? But I don't know. I, I just think that the Pelicans are a nice fit. I, I have them on, you know, kind of on top of my radar for D'Antoni. I just think that, I mean, hey, if, if Brandon Ingram winning most improved isn't a clear indicator of, of where the Pelicans are trying to get out, I mean, I mean, they have guys that have just been quickly improving. Now you insert a new coach in there, um, but it's, it's kind of, it looks like all Mike D'Antoni to me with, with how they play basketball and, and how he would suit them. So I, I just think a young team would be nice, um, but I wouldn't be surprised either if he goes to a contender or just, Fit, fits a little bit questionable, but it is what it is, you know? Yeah, and also, I, I forgot to mention you and Billy Donovan, who uh, I, I don't think we talked about it last podcast. Um, you know, with the Oklahoma City Thunder kind of let him go. They're, I think, now officially going to go into rebuild. I, I know we're going to get into Giannis later, and, and probably Chris Paul will be on the move, and that, that team, mm-hmm. that, that was a fun team, but they got on the move. But, um, yeah, so now uh, let's talk Lakers. They they either will take on the Nuggets or the Clippers. Uh, we're kind of just going to go predictions for both, um, depending who they play. Uh, it, start off with this Clippers-Nuggets series. I think the, the Clippers have messed around a little too much, um, and, and this is a concern, and that's why a lot of people, I think, are picking the Lakers all of a sudden now to come out of the West. That's if even the, the Clippers can get to the, to the Western Conference Finals. Um, to me, it's just there, there's a lot there that the, that the Clippers, you know, all, all year it's been, oh, yeah, they'll get healthy and they'll turn on the switch in the playoffs. And I think that's been the problem. They don't know when to turn it on and turn it off. All great teams have that switch. And a lot of great teams can control that switch in terms of, you know, tonight we need to take it seriously and tonight not. And they've really had trouble over the past two games having big leads at halftime and blowing those leads. But also you need to give credit to the Nuggets. Um, so that, what are your predictions, Lakers Nuggets? And then what are your predictions, Lakers Clippers, depending on which one? And then, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts so far on, on that series? You mean Clippers Nuggets? I think you said Lakers. Well, I'm saying depending which team gets to the, to the conference. Oh, finals. okay. I got you. I got you. I and then also you okay. can talk about the, the Clippers Nuggets as well. Just kind of go over everything. Right. So I have the Clips winning game seven. And then I think that, oof, I honestly, can I go neutral? I mean, I don't even know which side to pick, really. You need to for, go, this, for the, this is this is a this is what you do. You, it's oh not a man! Job, but this this is the job you have here. You need uh, to make a prediction. Oh man, that's oh. Have you flipped? Is because I know I, I believe originally you, you did take Clippers. I I, um, I still really believe in the Clippers. Um, the switch is important. They need to flip that on. Um, I believe they have that switch, um, in their back pocket. <laughs> But yeah, and, and here's the thing. I'll buy you a little more time here um, is I think if they get to that Lakers series, which it's a big if now, I think. And, and I know you're going to bring up as well. The Nuggets could be the first team ever to come back in, in two times from three one in a, in a postseason. They came back last uh, round versus the um, the Jazz down three one. Now they're down. And it's in again. Yeah, it's in consecutive series, too, so that's pretty yeah, impressive no, that's, as well. Yeah, that's, yeah it, it's more impressive, and I think that, you know, if I'm, the, if I'm the Nuggets and they said it themselves, they're playing with house money here. There's no pressure on them. They're not even supposed to be here. Most teams, you know, most people wouldn't even pick them to get this far. Um, 
You're well, but there is because you're trying to knock out the title favorite. Well, I, I don't. I, arguably. Okay. Well, well, no, I don't think so because, like I just said, no one's expecting you to to do this. Um, when they were down big at halftime in game, what was it, game five, when they were down three one. Uh, you had Charles Barkley, and I know he, you know, whenever he says something, you might as well just go the opposite way because of his curse that he that he has. Um, but, he has a guaranteed um, curse. The, the guaranteed curse, yeah. But um, uh, you know, he a lot of people are basically saying, "Hey, you know, pack your bags. It's time. To, you know, you're you're going to be back on a flight to Denver tonight." Um, and even what you know, the start of this series, and and you look, they've really, I mean, they've came out and fought. But uh, me, you know. Listen, if, if the Nuggets advance, I think the Lakers advance quickly. Um, that's in five. And I think, not to give away my finals prediction, but I think, you know, the Lakers would go on to win um, a championship. Uh, now, if, if the Clippers come and they go through, like I think everyone's been expecting, and they finally just stop messing around in this game five, Man, it, it's I, I'm with you here. I, I've been Clippers since since day one of this podcast. We started this podcast about a, month, a couple weeks into the season. Yep. I've been on the clip. I've been on the Clippers bandwagon the whole time. I, I've always thought they've been deeper and everything. I, I guess we just stick with them. I don't know. No, I, I think I think I am going to stick with them. I think I'm I'm still cl- sticking uh, sticking Clippers and se- Clips in seven. Uh, if they really turn it on and like like I think they possibly could, they could even go uh, in six. I don't think that's the thing, though. It's it's been really, you know, how's Paul George going to play? Um, Kawhi for the first time, he's getting questioned how he's playing in the last game versus the Nuggets, and can he turn it on? So it, it's going to be interesting. I, I think that for the Lakers, though, we keep talking about who's that third guy. Uh, Rondo's really come up big in the playoffs so far. Is Kuzma? If they can just get one guy a game, one game it's Kuzma, one game it's Rondo, one game it's you know even Alex Caruso, um, they can they can pose a real threat uh, and really advance. But otherwise, if they can't get a third scoring option, I think, you know, the Clippers can come away. But then, you know, if they play the Nuggets, they don't need that third scoring option. I think they can go through pretty easy. Yeah, I think I'll go go ahead with, you know, and, and piggyback your prediction. I, I think that I'll just rock with the Clippers. Um, I think the Lakers can take this series as well um, in seven games. Um, but I, I do think the series go, goes the distance. Um, it really just comes down to who is going to be able to flip the switch. I, I think we've said that about a couple times now, but it really is true. Like, if you look at the Lakers, too, especially a lot of the guys that get big minutes, Caruso, KCP, who can flip on the switch? Who can do it? So the Western Conference Finals is going is to be an indicator of that. You're going to have, again... This is the biggest test for either team. Um, you have the Clippers, who I'm really a little bit worried about um, because you have the Nuggets, who, and again, for everyone that, you know, there's, there's so many people that look through so many stats and will look through every single analytic and be like, you know what, the Clippers are winning this series. This right here is why heart prevails over that stuff because the Nuggets have heart, they have depth, they're young, they're athletic. They got it all, really, and and they've Preach. shown this, and they and they've shown and they've shown that uh, in this playoffs that that quite honestly, they're arguably the the most. Again, we can take the heat, and then people are going to be like, "Oh, you're biased, whatever." But the Nuggets really have been the the biggest underdog um, in the in these playoffs, along with the Heat. You could put them in in the same tier, um, but they really well, have, um, you, you especially about, since they've gotten tested. About- no, and, and you talk about heart. Um, you look out east between the Raptors, the Celtics, the Heat. You, you, now you add in the Nuggets. I mean, you're, you're talking about teams that are going far in these playoffs and really te- you know, testing other teams and, and winning series because of their heart. And I think heart can only take you so far before you need talent. But mm-hmm. um, they, they do have – Jamal Murray has shown he's become a star, in my opinion, or an all-star uh, if you have star and all-star on the same level as star above an all-star, whatever it is, um, Jokic is, is just phenomenal. Uh, and, and what he's doing, um, you have Gary Harris. Uh, they, they have a nice team over there. I think they're still missing something uh, for to win a championship. But who knows? Listen, it's 2020. Uh, 
they could win this series, win the Lakers series, and all of a sudden be in the finals. And, and you know, it's a toss-up no matter who they play, if it's Boston or, or the Heat, if they were to play that series. I know the NBA wouldn't like that, but um, I know probably the NBA right now is looking for a Lakers-Celtics uh, final. But listen, it's the bubble. It's 2020. Who, who the hell knows, you know? I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. Yeah, for sure. Just a, a couple quick uh, comments, because I know we want to get to Bucks talk, um, you know, on, on how interesting that's going to be. But as far as the Clippers and the Lakers, because I do have the Clippers advancing, so I want to talk a little bit first about the Clippers. Now, to clarify, I feel like I've been holding so long to, to, to clarify a point about Kawhi that I made the analogy before with Kemba and him. Um, the thing that I saw on, on first take with Stephen A was just he was talking about not, not how he's never been that guy because he was with the Raptors. But then again, I mean, come on. You kind of had that, that, that serious spoon fed with all the injuries that, that were – again, he was phenomenal. The best – you know, had the be- best playoffs out of, out of anyone last season. But you did have a lot of injuries with the Golden State Warriors. Um, so you had that. And then you had uh, in San Antonio – you played amazing defense on LeBron. Um, you know, you could throw in him, Iguodala, who is who have both played in in the hit in the history of of LeBron defenders have both played great defense on LeBron, so they're both up there. But um, as far as Kawhi Leonard, like I said, all eyes are are on him right now. He went to L.A. He's trying to go back to back. All eyes are on him right now because this next series is your test. Again, I think the Lakers are different because, again, the Lakers, um, they're also going to be hit with a big test. The Lakers had an underdog in the Blazers. Then they moved on to, to Houston and really didn't have too, too much problems, you know, along with just really adjusting with that game one. Um, well, I, but I, I, think, I think this game seven tomorrow is the biggest test right now for Kawhi. You look last year. No, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the Lakers. No, but I know you. I know you were talking about Kawhi in terms of his test because you were clarifying right. that comment, right? Oh, okay. And, yeah. And, and and to me, even last year when he was on when he was on the Spurs, he was never you know number one option. Um, they never had the these high of of expectations. He's with a franchise that has never even made a conference finals appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably you could say. When it all said and done, if he brings a championship, he will be the best player in franchise history again. Um, you have a team that most people don't even think about this. They might, they only really have one more season after this season to get a championship. Um, both Kawhi and short window. Paul George, yeah, short window. Um, a lot of guys need to get paid on that team or are going to want to get paid. You have Montrez this, this offseason. There's a lot of pressure on Kawhi like he's never had before. Last, to, to finish my point about last season, no one expected the Raptors to win a championship. Um, they didn't expect them to get to the finals, and then he carried them on his back. So there was no real pressure. Even when they got to the finals, it was, it was going to be a walkover Golden State in five. Golden State even in four. Then obviously all the injuries happened. They won. So this is the first time he's really had real pressure, and he's the number one guy. He needs to take the reins. And I know last game he didn't do that. I didn't. I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't watch a lot of last game. Football was on first first Sunday of uh, NFL football. Very exciting. Um, so I, I didn't watch a lot of the game, but I, I did mm. watch. You know, I heard you know guys talking about it, and I saw some uh, replay of it. So I think he needs to come out, and they. You know, we, we're kind of. As much as we're trying to give the Nuggets props, we're kind of rolling over and just saying, hey, it's going to be Clips and Lakers. And the way right now the Clippers are playing, they need to get a hold of themselves. I think Lou Will still hasn't been the same in the bubble. Uh, Lemon Pepper Lou. Uh, Kendrick Perkins, I don't agree with a lot what he said, but he's like, hey, he's worried about, you know, trademarking his name. And I think there's a lot of, you know, the guys there are thinking about a lot of other stuff besides basketball, and I'm not going to sit here and criticize them for that. Um, but... You know, him, Montrez are not playing, you know, like they normally play, not averaging the points they are. So I think it's it's really it, – they, they really need to get a hold of themselves and, and for this game seven and then mentally prepare themselves because LeBron's on a mission. I think, you know, he's tired of the narrative, hey, you know, Father Time's going to catch up to him. He's ready to prove that narrative wrong, even though I don't think anyone will ever be able to prove it wrong. But these, um, So I think, you know, AD and the Laker team is feeling real confident after, you know, two game two series that they won in five. So – yeah, just last point here. I just wanted to say, 
I think with the Clippers, you really have to be worried because especially when you look behind the scenes with Doc Rivers, a championship winning head coach, and they're making adjustments. Game six games, and I'm sure they're going to be doing it in game seven, too. You're making adjustments in a game seven when you're about to play the Los Angeles Lakers. Don't don't be unprepared when you go into that series. You know, they might catch you off guard game one or you might because, you know, we know with the Lakers game ones, maybe it doesn't really go their way. But then again, this is really, um, you know, it puts doubt into my mind. I'm not going to press the panic button because last time I did that, the Lakers won both their series in five games. Um, But and that was at the beginning of the bubble when they were struggling a little bit. But then again, it's just it's not a good look for the Clippers. Um, Again, it does seem like um, there's a there's a switch that, you know, needs to be turned on, which that's fine. I know as a Heat fan, you always kind of want Jimmy Butler to turn on that switch, but he does that unselfishly and he does that just because he wants other people to, to get the ball. Um, but Kawhi Leonard needs to be that guy. He needs to be the best player on the floor. Um, and I agree with a lot that was said on on first take when I watched it, um, especially when Jokic or Jamal Murray is the best player on the floor and not Kawhi Leonard. Um, that's a big issue. And there's going to be if you think there's going to be times when Jokic and Murray imagine with LeBron and, and AD on the floor at the same time as you what's going to happen then. So there's a lot of um, really big question marks and. It, it's it's really late in the process. Like I, I, I'm worried about the Clippers. I'm I'm a firm believer that they'll get their act together. Again, it hasn't been the case um, these past couple games because they've blown leads. They haven't been able to keep their composure. Um, but let's just say that this is something that the Clippers are doing. They're just you know relaxed. They're um, you know they're not really in it right now. And the Nuggets well, have caught well, them I off think- guard. And, and to wrap this up, and we'll go on to the Bucks. Um, I'll make the last point here: is how much longer before you can say, "Hey, maybe they don't have that switch to turn it on." I'm sorry. I mean, we've been saying this all season. Like I said earlier, I've been the biggest fan of the Clippers all season. I'm saying that I think they're going to win it all. They're going to win it all. They're going to win it all. And we're kind of just, yeah, they're going to get there. They're going to get there. They had the last series versus the Mavericks. They could have gone to seven if Porzingis went and got ejected on the stupid ejection he got, and then he would have got mm-hmm. hurt. That, that series went six. It probably possibly could have went seven. They possibly could have lost the series. So I think there's real doubt right now, and it's the biggest doubt I've had about this Clippers team. I want to believe, hey, you know, they're going to get game seven, and then once they play the Lakers, I think they have their focus so much on the Lakers that they haven't been focused on other things. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. So we'll definitely see. Next time we have a podcast, they'll probably be uh, two games into their series uh, or maybe even just a game or so. So so we'll, de- we'll definitely see if they're uh, packing their bags and, and – Heading to one, two, three, Cancun, or, or are they going to be staying in the bubble and taking on a LeBron and AD Lakers? Um, let's talk about the Bucks. We mentioned earlier. Obviously, they're not in the Eastern Conference Finals um, in a season that was championship or bust, according to most people. Um, t- today, actually, as as uh, we were doing this podcast, or a little before we started the podcast, Giannis Antetokounmpo did meet with um, Bucks management or the owners to uh, see, you know, what you know, the future is, uh, he is going into the last year of his deal this summer. He can get the super max, uh, the bucks can offer him. There's a lot of uncertainty there. Uh, I know yesterday, I think a lot of people made big news cause they're going to look into every little thing. He unfollowed all his teammates on Instagram, take, take it or leave it. I'm not going to really read too much into that. Um, you know, it's fun to believe the hype and stuff, but again, um, it should be, this is a bit, I think this is the biggest, uh, offseason in, in Milwaukee franchise history for Giannis it's a huge offseason does he want to you know take the guaranteed money and and say hey I want to win here and you know a smaller market and, and try to do something that you know LeBron and Kevin Durant couldn't do in their first teams um I, I don't know I mean I and I'm gonna let you go first but I kind of want to take it here and I'm we'll yeah, go back and forth no we'll go back and forth here to me you need a look Mike Budenholzer, I know he's he only finished his second season. Um, you need to look at him, and you need to look at who's ever in the front office running the show because this team is is, is just they need something else. Um, we I mentioned earlier, Billy Donovan decided he's not going back to the Thunder. They mutually agreed, whatever it was. Um, so it looks like the Thunder are going to go in full rebuild mode, which people thought it was going to be this year. Chris Paul is on the market. Um, 
as people thought after he got traded from the Rockets to the Thunder last summer, they thought it was going to be. Um, and he's proven that he still has a lot left in the tank. He is making a lot of money, but I think people can kind of bear with that now. And the Bucks have been really rumored that, hey, you know, we might they might trade for him. And I think that would be a great, great trade. The thing is for the Bucks is do you want to go all in just for Giannis to leave in the summer of 2021? You've had the Heat, which has been, I mean, now for about a year or so, you know, really uh, seems like they're the favorite to, to sign Giannis if he leaves Milwaukee. You have the Raptors, Golden State. Even the Lakers and, and Clippers have kind of gotten in the mix here. Um, I think everyone's going to be in the mix <laughs> um, if they could. To me, this is. I guess the question I pose to you is, what do you, what are you doing if you're Giannis? Um, because he, you look at Paul George a few years ago, he was courteous enough to tell the Pacers, "Hey, I'm not I'm not going to resign here. I have a year left on my deal. Trade me if you can. Otherwise, you're going to get nothing for me." Um, then you know he could you know really screw you know the bucks and, and leave and get nothing for him so you know what what are you doing if you're both sides here well if i'm Giannis, i'm getting the hell out of milwaukee um i think really? that yes i'm leaving milwaukee um i just don't I, I don't say this just because i'm a heat fan i i actually kind of the more and more i think of it um and i'll get to the chris paul because you mentioned Chris Paul, he's been a hot name on the market. I actually really like that idea, um, and I've been growing on that idea a little bit more. Um, again, when you talk about a playmaking point guard and Eric Bledsoe, they, they paid him a lot of money and also chose him over Malcolm Brogdon. So um, we see how that's worked out, especially in the playoffs where, again, everyone subsides. Um, but going back to be honest, I, I see him winning a championship. I just don't really see it in Milwaukee. Um, I'm not really a firm believer and him staying in Milwaukee, uh, I think the only way it really and, – and I do think it does help Milwaukee, though, that we're in this sort of um, unfortunate crisis because you have um, – or this, this pandemic because you have that financial um, where it's going to be kind of hard to make up the money. Um, and with, with Milwaukee, this, they gain an advantage because of that financial um, scenario um, with the NBA. Um, so now, you know, players will – are more likely to stay with their respective teams, right? So, I don't know. I just – I'm not a big fan of him staying in Milwaukee. Um, as far as – I'll address the Chris Paul um, rumors right now. Um, I think that that's a great fit. Again, you do have to make up the money because he is making – if they're going to trade for him, um, he is making a lot of money. So, y- you would have to, again, add a big contract in there. Um, and, again – we know this, the Lakers have done it, um, to add shooters, veteran shooters, uh, you know, it doesn't cost you more than a minimum sometimes. So that, that's a big problem too, with the bucks. If you look at, and, and this is something I listened to because I've done it. It's, it's really interesting because you, as a fan, you kind of focus on your team. Um, and so I've focused on the heat a lot, but I've actually done a lot of research about, uh, somewhat about the Pacers, but a lot about the Bucks because, you know, teams that we've knocked out because um, it's just interesting to see, especially how Milwaukee plays, um, just the future and, and all that um, type of deal. Um, but what Bill Simmons was saying is that, look, Giannis is really, if, if you look at and, and there's something called a, a heliocentric offense, right, where, and this wasn't from Bill Simmons, but I'm referencing something else because it kind of goes – to what he was talking about too um so you have these uh multi-dimensional superstars right so you have i'll just name some young ones in the nba right now you have luka Doncic, you have trey young right where if you leave them open you're gonna they're gonna make you pay right you have lebron you have these all these different guys right that that excel in multiple different areas then you have Giannis, where he's questionable in a lot of different areas you have the fact that he's not a uh an elite passer or not even really uh, again, we saw a, a, a couple flashes. Um, he had he had some good uh, passes in the Mi- Miami series. Um, but again, that's not really what he's known for. That's not the go-to for Giannis. And we all know his shooting is not um, up to par. We've seen flashes of that as well. But then again, nothing solid, nothing that can can translate to, look, you got to guard me. There, there hasn't really been much of that. So when you look at... Um, Milwaukee and how they play, they play a heliocentric offense, which meaning, meaning uh, 
you know, they have one guy where, you know, everything bases, you know, you get open shots because of, because of one dude. But that doesn't really happen with Milwaukee. And we saw that in the Miami series where you have, you have a wall built around Giannis or built for Giannis when he drives to the paint. And you have a guy, um, as in Bam and Abayo, who's an elite level defender at such a young age, that's guarding Giannis. Um, he has to get past him and get to this wall. And then you have, uh, you know, perimeter defenders that can go out and defend, um, you know, your, your, your sharpshooters like, um, I don't know, a, a Kyle Korver, a Wesley Matthews, uh, a Dante DiVincenzo, who was even, you know, doing well from the three-point line, especially later in that series. Um, and Chris Middleton, of course, I can't, I can't not mention him for, for the game four that he had. But you have just an offense that I'm just not really a, a believer in just because of – and, again, again that can, that can come in the offseason. You know, you, there's time to improve. Um, again, not as much time because of the, the, uh, the seasons just being, um, you know, so close together because of the, the pandemic. I'm talking about the 2021 season. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I don't – I don't see it, man. I don't see it. Um, I think that um, Chris Paul, it's it's a good ad. Um, but again, he's, you know, he's a great fit um, in terms of leadership and all that. Um, and again, it's, it's, he has one year. So you have a Chris Paul that's aging. And not only that, I, I don't think it's just not this team that he's built around. So you would have to not rebuild, but restructure, and I don't know. I, I don't. Re- yeah, I mean, yeah, you would have to restructure one, one in a rebuild. year. Yeah. In yeah. a year, so I, I'm just not like. There's so many different other scenarios. I'm just not even talking about Miami. Talk about Golden State. My God, like, imagine with Stephen well, Clay. I'm gonna I'm gonna play I mean, devil's advocate. I'm gonna play devil's advocate and play the other side for a second here because I agree with you to a certain extent, but. Here, here's the the unknown. The NBA, no one knows what the salary cap's going to be. No one knows what what's going on in the NBA. Um, there's a lot that's uncertain. Yeah, and like I uh, said, the the financial and, is, and, is pointing towards towards teams re-signing players. So, and that's, so that's also a plus for for Milwaukee. Is that for Giannis, it's hey, do I just sign this? I mean, two, three, four hundred million dollar contract, and and because it's all guaranteed. This is not like the the NFL where it's non-guaranteed or, or whatever, you know, and, and you know, I, I'm set. I don't need to worry about a big contract because who knows what, you know, the max will be if he goes to another team or is he, you know, I think he is more about winning is I don't know if I can win here. Um, I know in the meeting today, it came out where Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj, uh, for ESPN reported, you know, that the ownership said that they're willing to go into the luxury tax and go over as, you know, spend as much as they need to, to, to get a team that, you know, can win. Um, because you look, this is two years in a row now where a team has, you know, basically built to stop Giannis, uh, in the playoffs, the, the, the game slows down and, and then you see what happens. So I don't know. I, I think um, right. we're going to, we're definitely going to be talking about this more and more. Uh, yeah. Let, you know, let me add over the next year. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm not, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm just, yeah, go ahead. I thought you were wrapping up. So I just wanted to add something. Um, but I will say this cause I, I failed to mention, uh, you know, Milwaukee's front office. I mean, you put all your eggs in one basket, you go, you know, completely in, um, on Giannis and you, you say, Hey, you know, wh- I mean, whatever he needs, um, again, if he needs, you know, uh, if I'm going to talk about like uh, an analogy here, if he needs a, a plane for his kids, like Tim Duncan with Orlando, do it, um, whatever the hell he needs. Um, but again, Milwaukee also, you know, this is their fault because they also haven't given. Um, now again, 100%. this is. No, no, that's yeah, 100%. That, that statement is, is factual. No, right. But I'm, I'm saying that, that also they haven't really given Giannis, especially with one of the moves, I think that Malcolm Brogdon is, is such a big deal because you yeah. have, it's, it's, two, it, it's two opposite ends of the floor with him and Eric Bledsoe, and you had to choose between one. You decided with the one where more questionable than the other one, which we've seen with his playoff decline, and and that's and that's the the matter of and and you see with the you know we saw it firsthand as Heat fans with with Malcolm Brogdon with the Pacers. He he's a good um, 
he can ball exactly. And then um, one more thing is as as far as Chris Middleton, um, I don't I don't see it. I don't think that. Um, well, I, I, I I don't see it. I don't. Here's a here's a point, and, and then we can wrap up here. Um, it's coaching. Coaching goes a big part. Of, like I said earlier, Mike Budenholzer. This was only a second year. From the books, I'm I'm looking hard, long and hard, saying where where's the issue here? Because to me, he said it. I remember last playoffs. He says, you know, I don't really make adjustments in playoffs. Well, I'm sorry, that's your job. You need to. Um, I think that they need to get Giannis more off ball because if they can, they can be really deadly. If the offense they're running now, like you just you literally you know, went through a whole thing, naming the offense, what everything, everything that, you know, you said, you can't just hand the player the ball if they can't shoot and expect them to drive through everyone. In the regular season, it's obviously going to work because playoffs, the regular season, teams are not playing, you know, full on intense defense. The playoffs, it's, it changes. And I think you need to look at Mike Bootenholzer and say, hey, Coach Bud, you know, are you going to change this up? Let's try to implement a new offensive scheme here that they can go to. So that way, you know, you can get Giannis coming off the baseline or, or, or whatever it is, setting off ball picks for him. So that way he can get in. Because if, you know, he gets, if he can get the ball in, in the, you know, between the free throw line and, and the um, under the basket, there's no stopping him then. But if, if you know, you're just going to let him bring the ball up and they're just going to build a wall at the, at the three-point line or at the foul line, what are you doing here? You know, I mean, you're going to, everyone else, you know, I, I, we noticed it also in watching that series and I've noticed it last year too. Everyone else on the court just stands there. There's no movement at all. Everyone stands there like, okay, what are, what are you going to do Giannis? And as much as you want to blame Chris Middleton, I think also at the same time, we saw what Chris Middleton could do when Giannis wasn't in there. And I think if you can incorporate somehow how he can get his mid range shots going with Giannis, they can definitely win a championship, but uh, you know, right. Uh, yeah, just to add before we conclude here, I just want to say, like, as far as Giannis, um, I think that off ball, given sort of the Russell Westbrook treatment and 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 Houston type type of deal there, um, in terms of just coming off ball and and um, you know cuts to the paint and whatnot, you could also play him. Look where he was the most effective in the paint in the low post. I mean, you could also place him there um, again. Uh, you don't you don't really have a problem there with spacing because you have Lopez who's a perimeter threat um, from the outside, so there's no problem there. Um, but there's a lot um, that Milwaukee. I think a lot of what they were um, trying to accomplish. Um, I think it just went the opposite direction. I think they got exposed in a lot of areas, um, as you mentioned. Coaching got exposed. Um, their star player got exposed, and how they you know how they run their offense. I think that, and and again. That's why when, when people were talking about Miami beating or, or Milwaukee beating Miami, I'm like, what are you talking about? The, the, the Heat did the same thing with the 76ers, figured them out, and then every team followed suit. So even if, even if, uh, even if the, the, the Bucks would have went through with this series and won, the Celtics would be – or the Raptors would be waiting uh, – right, or, or we could just say the Celtics. The Celtics would be waiting right there for them and 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 brad stevens with all of his defensive adjustments i mean come on but um as far as chris middleton um just want to make a point as well with him um i just think that i i don't i don't see him being the number two guy and you see a lot of times um he he thrives with Giannis off the floor um but then again he's inconsistent um when he gets it going he's amazing but he's not He's a very great three. I don't think he's a good, like, I don't think he's that great, too. I just don't think he is. Um, and if you look down the line from, you know, Kobe, Shaq, whatever it may be, um, you need that guy that can go get his shot routinely. And I just don't see the consistency from Middleton. But it will be interesting. Um, I think that, uh, like I said, I've been doing a lot of research on this topic. So, like, I mean, just really um, – you know, laying down the, the, the blueprint for where Milwaukee goes from here is, is interesting to talk about. Yeah, and we're like I said, like I said, we're going to be talking about this a whole bunch this offseason, next offseason. Um, ne- next year, you know, obviously, I think we're going to have a pretty big gap between the finals and, the, you know, we don't know when the season is going to start. We're going to be talking about that also. Mm-hmm. So, uh, definitely, but 
Uh, where can they find us on social media, Jake? I know you've had a lot of little segments on there. Um, that yeah. We're continuing the post uh, at least once or twice a week. We're getting out. We're not just posting when we do an episode. We're actually posting actual mm-hmm. content now on Instagram. So where can they find that? Right. You guys can find – I'm doing little uh, mini segments. So whether it be highlights of certain players, um, breaking down film um, of a great performance, or I've, I have this other um, series called um, – road to the league where I break down a lot of unknown type players that have had breakout seasons and just recapping their road to the league, to the NBA. So you guys can find us on Instagram at underscore around the league underscore and check us out on all three streaming platforms. Um, we're doing this thing weekly. And like, I, like we said, the social media stuff is I'm going to try to get a video out tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. I want to get it out Tuesday, before the, the day this drops basically. Right, so I'm going to get a video out, uh, yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday. So, yeah, exactly what you said. Um, and then, yeah, just check us out. Um, again, we're, we're trying to hustle for you guys and, and make this pod the, the best it could be, so check us out. Exactly what he said, guys. Nothing else to add to that. Peace out. Peace.